Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. What is The Briefing Room? It's a behind-the-scenes look at how the criminal justice system works and the lives of the people within that system. If you love true crime, well, these are the real people who do the job every day of making sure justice is served. Hi, I'm Detective Dave. I'm Detective Dan. Together, we have decades of experience in local law enforcement, a profession that we think is often misunderstood. So we're going to explore how to do it right, and we won't shy away from when it's done wrong. These are stories you'll hear nowhere else. Unique, frank, and unvarnished. From the team that brought you Small Town Dicks, this is The Briefing Room. Episode 1 drops on August 30th. We'll meet you in The Briefing Room. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com And welcome back to Little Cuts, our weekly mini-sode where we dig into the things that we've been watching recently. I'm Terry. I'm Mary Beth, and this is my emotional support, Liquid Death Severed Lime. <laughs> I, I don't have it today. I just have That's some okay. freaky fast iced tea. Ooh. So, what, just so everyone knows, it's still going strong in, in this household. I just got a new case <laughs> in the mail the other day. It's just a bit at this point. I can't, I'm just, I'm committing it to the bit. It is. It is a bit. <laughs> and staying hydrated. Anyway, this week, besides Important that, things. <laughs> we are talking about unconventional haunted houses, fighting aliens, a movie with an unpleasant female pot- protagonist trigger warning, a.k.a. my life. <laughs> um, and a crane car chase movie. <laughs> She's a yeah. goblin this week. I swear to God, being on video does make me go feral. I think I've just decided to fully commit to being like a weird creature. <laughs> and the video just like really encourages me. And I'm listening to a podcast where a woman loves being a weird and like acting like a creature. So I think she's just feeding into my desire to be a gremlin. You're just pulling in that energy. Yeah. All right. I'm, I'm here for it. Yeah. Let's all become creatures, you know, by like end of this month, we'll just be like. Yeah, I think it's part of the wedding transformation. I'm going to oh, become yeah. a full on creature. Um, uh, yeah. Yeah. Speaking of creatures, but not really creatures, more like ghosts. Let's talk about this unconventional mm. haunted house house, because I know yes. that we both saw this movie. This is Skinamarink, directed by Kyle Edward Ball. And it is a Fantasia movie. It had its world premiere at Fantasia. And um, what the fuck? So I had heard rumblings about this being really good. And I, someone, a friend of the show, Caitlin Nelson, messaged me and said, you need to watch this movie. It's the most found footage thing at the festival. Um, You should check it out. 
And that's, of course, uh, Ping Ping, Mary Beth, go request that screener. I mean, that's just like Mary Beth catnip, oh, right? It's ca- it's oh, like- yeah. I was going to say Mary Beth catnip. And I was like, I, ke- I say that too much. and It's kind of embarrassing. But if someone else has it, it's not as embarrassing. Um, I just have an image of you like taking these found footage tapes and just like rubbing your face up along it. Yeah. <laughs> and then just lying on your back like stone. Uh-huh. Yeah, actually, not far <laughs> off from my uh, everyday existence. Thank you so much. Um, anyway, so this film. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I'm trying. We haven't even gotten to the first film yet. We've already derailed. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so this movie is weird. Uh, yeah. To put it lightly. Um, it's basically two kids wake up in a house where the dad is gone and the windows and doors have all disappeared. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's them trying to figure out what's going on in the house and there's something else in the house. And you never really see the kids. All of the shots are very, like, of corners of, of uh-huh. rooms and of, like, open doorways and shit. Which, for some people, it's going to piss them off. Like, I know that oh. to be true. And I know you probably are going to t- tell me uh, tell me about the experience you had watching it with your roommate. But it, it it's a lot of, like, playing with this very specific memory in my head of, like, laying down on a bed while the TV is on or there's, like, static on the TV and, like, what the colors look like on the ceiling. And it's in those weird liminal spaces of, like, two, three, four in the morning at a sleepover or in the living room when the TV is still on. And it's got this really it like really cool tactile staticky quality to it. It's just something about it is fucking unnerving. It's like House of Leaves the movie. Something just feels wrong oh, yeah. in the house. And then there's this added thing of there's something it actually in the house fucking with these two kids who are young kids. They like can't be older than 10 and whatever. Um they're still at that age where they're playing with Legos and watching cartoons and yeah, having like and, uh, um, sleepovers in the in the living room downstairs and you know that kind of that age. And it's just really it, it feels cursed. Is this one of those examples of a movie that feels cursed mm-hmm. and that you shouldn't be watching and that feels like this is something that needs to be burned in the in 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 the trash. And I mean that in a good way. I don't mean that in like it's bad, but in like a I cannot have this near me or I something bad will befall upon my head. Yeah, as, kind of situation. As I uh, as I said in my in my review, it's like a movie that doesn't feel like it was made, but was like birthed from the sub from someone's subconscious. Like it doesn't feel like uh-huh. a made movie. It feels like we're seeing something that we shouldn't, and it's wholly unconfusing and unconventional because the camera angle is a lot I mean it try. I think it's trying to take us to the level of the kids so there's like a lot of floor shots of like it being on the floor looking upward and as you said it focuses on everything but what's happening which I know for some people is going to be incredibly frustrating Um, I did watch this with my roommate and to her credit she stayed the entire time but at the very end she's like I don't think this one was for me (laughs) You know, that's fair because it's definitely not a movie for everybody. Yeah, it's not. But I'll tell you that while I wasn't, I, I do think okay, I I do think that it probably could use a little bit of editing. I do think it is a little too long. But what it did do is afterwards, as I was making the trip from my basement upstairs, and I always walk around in the dark because 
that's just who I am. Uh, it did unnerve me. And when oh. I was in my room, I did close my open uh, closet door because I've had my, my closet's been open because I had to do something and it. it's just been open the entire time. And I normally don't think about it, but like I closed my, my closet door in, in my room as I went to bed because there's just something lingering in my head with this film. That's the thing. And like I was watching this and I was really sleepy because I was watching it like one in the morning. And so I, I'm watching it. And I'm starting to, like, at the very end, when something happens at the end, I started dozing off, and they pose a question. And I was like, no, not anymore. She's not going to bed anymore. What the fuck? And then, like, the night, that night, I had nightmares for the, like, I had nightmares. Mm -hmm. Like, I never get nightmares from movies. I have nightmares a lot, but I don't have nightmares from movies. But as I talked about on the podcast before, I have weird fears of, like, domestic spaces changing yes, all of a sudden do. without you knowing. And, this, uh... and so, like, this movie was just, like... And, like, it brought me back to the... Okay. It's so specific, the way this hit this memory. But it brought me back to the first house I lived in with my when my mom and stepdad got together. They weren't married yet. They were just working together, and they were roommates. <laughs> and they were roommates. <laughs> but, um... And now we see how that went. Um, but I lived there with him and my stepbrother. And the house kind of looked like that Ooh. house. And I have memories of laying in my mom's bed because I was scared because the house was in the woods. So like oh. I, and my, my window was like facing the woods so I could see all the trees and stuff. And of course, me being who I was as a five-year-old, I was like, there's monsters in out there fuck that shit and so when i would sleep in my mom's bed when i was scared i have the memory of looking up at the ceiling and seeing it those blue colors Ooh. and for some reason this movie like hit that memory of being terrified as a kid at two or three in the morning and i was like what the fuck like i don't like i don't want to remember that yeah. like that sucks in a good way but yeah like i don't it was weird to see that like so accurately represented and it got into my head <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I watched um, Quite a beat. Um, Eraserhead for the first time for another project. Joe and I will be talking about the two Davids, Lynch and Cronenberg. We'll just we'll throw that out there. But yeah, so I, I was watching this in prep for that. And as I was watching Skinamarink, I kept thinking back to Eraserhead because Eraserhead does a lot with sound, mm -hmm. with this omnipresent sound that gets kind of maddening. And Skinamarink feels like a VHS tape that's been recorded from in like the 90s, where it has like so much grain and it has like this constant hissing sound. Yes. That, oh, the VHS, like mm -hmm. staticky hissing sound. And there's a moment where the sound goes out and it's like just dead quiet. It was like the first time in the entire movie where I was like, there's actually no sound for a moment. And it was like intense. I was like, wait, what happened to the sound? Because you just get so used to hearing it. So I think this movie does a lot with sound and it kind of has to do it because it doesn't, again, it doesn't show a lot of what is actually happening except for like some really, really intense moments. <laughs> and this movie also has some like really crazy jump scares, but it, it's just, a, it's mm -hmm. a wild experience. I think this is definitely a movie that needs, they, We'll be dividing. Like people are going to think it's so fucking annoying, or they're going to think it's incredible. And I am of the camp. We're going to see a lot incredible. of five and zero star ratings um, for this. I think because like it is definitely yes not for everyone, yeah, but yeah, for yeah. the right person, it's going to fuck your life up. But it doesn't have distribution yet. But it, it has distribution. It doesn't mm -hmm. have a release date yet, so it should be coming out soon. I think so. Produced by Jonathan Barkon, uh, former guest of the show. Yeah. 
Yeah, mm-hmm. over at Mutiny Pictures. Um, so, okay. So we talked about Skinamarink, but then, Terry, what is this trigger warning for an unpleasant female okay, protagonist? I was not expecting to see uh, there being, like, a trigger warning that talks about, you know, swirling patterns and, I think, strobe lights and an unlikable female protagonist is what the the, the opening crawl says for this movie. But uh, I sat down and I watched Quinn Shepard, writer-director Quinn Shepard's Not Okay, which... Okay, I've seen much about this which online. Hit Hulu and stars uh, Zoe. Is it Deutsch? Dutch. Deutsch. I think Zoe it's Deutsch. Deutsch. Uh, I said it with such confidence, and then I was like, I don't know. D E U T C H. I would say Uh-oh. Deutsch, but I don't know. <laughs> Apologize, Zoe, for ruining your name. Probably, possibly. And Mia Isaac, who is a fucking rock star in this, like I, I don't think I'd ever seen her in something. Maybe I have, but she's um, really, I've heard really, really good, good in about this. Her. And in then the it city. has someone that I've had a crush on since Teen Wolf, um, even when he's being a douchebag, as he is in this, Dylan O'Brien. Oh, yeah, du- blonde douchebag O'Brien. Just vaping, and I'm like, okay, blow some of that smoke in my mouth, please. Like, what? I, I, I don't know. Anyway, he, uh, yeah, so... Zoe Deutsch, uh, Zoe is playing a character named Danny who is working at some like BuzzFeed type place and she is an image editor and she wants to be a writer, but no one takes her seriously. And so she invents this lie that she went to Paris for a writer's retreat. And so she starts taking pictures of herself and then editing in images of Paris behind her. And then she wakes up one morning after posting a photograph at at, um, some monument and there was a terrorist attack in Paris. And so now she is stuck in this lie of lying that she was there and that she survived a terrorist attack. And this, it kind of goes from there of like, yeah, of like her basically profiting off of um, trauma this fake trauma that happened to her and she gets stuck in this lie, but she starts to like get work at her job. Everyone at her job starts to like her. Um, She gets the, she gets the attention of of Dylan O'Brien's Colin, who she had lusted after for a while, but who would, it was just like a dude bro. And so she starts feeding into this lie because she's getting everything she wanted. Meanwhile, she goes to a support group to, like, try to (laughs) figure out how to be in pain and use their experiences to, like, she starts taking notes about other people's experiences so that she can incorporate these into her story because she realizes she can't write about something she hasn't experienced. And it's there that she meets Rowan, who's played by Mia Isaac, who is like this young teenager who suffered um, immense tragedy at a school shooting. And now she is uh, championing kind of like, I guess, kind of like David, is it Haig, David Hogg, the the young um, school shooting victim in in real life that went on to like, so like she's, you know, trying to bring attention to this and get, you know, guns outlawed and they start striking up this, this friendship. And then it goes from there. And so th- this movie, boy, it is a very unlikable female character, but 
I have to say that what this movie does is, is it kind of tackles um, the internet's obsession with trauma and, and profiting off of it. And then the way everything can like kind of tumble down uh, very quickly and turn into like getting death threats and having people doxing you and everything. So like it, it plays this very uneasy secondhand embarrassment, cringe comedy, very dark, very cutting, very caustic that I found I was either like sitting like, Oh my God, this is so embarrassing. Or I was laughing hysterically at because it just is so dark. It's so dark. Um, I really liked it. Huh. Okay. But I can understand why a lot of people wouldn't. <laughs> yeah, I've seen a lot of very interesting things about it online. Um, I am very curious about it, though. Yeah. I didn't realize, like, how dark it got. Like, I had no idea how dark it was. And then everyone was posting, like, dirtbag Dylan O'Brien being, like, sexy, sexy and gross. And gross. No. Is there a lot of fucking in that movie? Not a whole lot. She does get an oh, encounter with no. him, and it is over before you can well. blink. And she realizes that, that he Boo. came inside without a condom, and she has to go get a morning after pill. Plan B. Like, it's just, it's just, the the kind of humor in this movie is, wow. is, is a, on another level. Um, I just gotta say. Whew. Uh, but yeah, no, I... I really liked it, and it's on Hulu. Well, okay. Yeah. Wow. Unlikable female protagonist, and boy, she is unlikable, but whatever. I think it's stupid that we have to, like, talk about unpleasant female characters when cinema and TV are littered with following male protagonists that are equally, if not more, shitty. And we're celebrating them. But, like, why even say that at the beginning? Like, then we're just have to put sugar warning. I, I, like, I don't know. Is this some fucking co- is it a, some I don't know. Because it's is like, it like a joke? If, if it was, like, its own thing, I would take it as a joke. But, like, it's put in with real trigger warnings. Like, you know, bright lights. A lot of people are photosensitive. Like, it, it's, it's included in that. And I'm like, if it was just, like, its oh. own thing, you know, haha, funny. But at the very tail end of a very real trigger warning, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know if it's a joke or not. I don't, I didn't know how to exactly take it, but it jumped out at me. Fascinating. Anyway, I'll digest <laughs> I, that I, later. Just, I think that in itself could, could like create some think pieces, but regardless, I want to hear about fighting aliens. I'm a huge kaiju fan. I'm a huge fan of Shin Godzilla mm-hmm. from 2016, which is like a retelling of Godzilla from the maker of Mangalian. And as part of fan, yes, you do. And as part of Fantasia, they screen Shin Ultraman, which is the second, it's not a sequel, but it's in that um, Hideki Anno and his collaborator, whose name I'm looking up right now, because he is the actual director, the sole director of this one. Um, His name is Shinji Higuchi. He is... Hideki Anno and, and him are creative partners, but Higuchi directed Shin Ultraman okay. and Anno wrote it. And so it is based on the character Ultraman, which, um, again, is a is a character that has existed in Japanese media for a long time. And Ultraman is an alien that comes down from outer space to help fight, to help save humanity from kaiju that are attacking the world. 
And so this is their homage to that. And, you know, just as the 1954 Godzilla was a very serious movie, Shin Ultraman, uh, Ultraman is not serious whatsoever and is goofy as fuck. And they captured that vibe incredibly well in this movie, which is basically about an agency that is set up by the Japanese government after they discover that kaiju exist. And this um, this agency is like helping catalog and fight kaiju. And then one day, a giant silver man out of the sky to beat a kaiju. And then he disappears. And what ends up happening is he kills one of the agents by accident and decides to share bodies with him and give him the Ultraman powers. So he has like a little a little button that he can like put out and then he becomes Ultraman, a big man who fights a who fights monsters. Wow. And it's as goofy as it sounds and it's fucking incredible. And the movie again, like if you saw Shin Godzilla, do not expect that kind of like serious okay. scary tone. Like it's not meant to be like that at all, which is great cuz it's trying to be more like the original series, which is silly, okay. weird, fun and like very over the top. And that's what this movie is. It's goofier than, like, I would have... It's not, like... I like Ultraman. It's just really silly. And it's basically, like, watching a bunch of Ultraman episodes back-to-back. Like, it's very kind of, like... There's an overarching narrative, but a lot of it's very, like, episodic in terms of the monsters that have, like, occur in the movie. And, like, as it goes from kaiju to, like, aliens that are trying to invade Earth kind of situation. So... But it's still really fun. Like, it's silly. It's got big monsters and really good effects. Amazing music. I mean, Hideki Anno is the editor, and he's incredible at editing and making these, like, really chaotic, cool, like, homages almost to Sam Raimi-type editing. Um, so it's just, it's fun as fuck. It's goofy, it's silly, and it's cool. It's got big monsters in it. So if you were a fan of Shin Godzilla... You'll probably have fun with this one. It's definitely got a much different tone, but oh, it's, yeah. um, it's a good fucking time. And that that's coming. I'm not sure the date, the release date yet, like for a theatrical release, but it's soon because it just had the premiere at Fantasia. Um, and then it played and in New York City uh, oh, yeah. a couple weeks ago. So it's coming. I think it's coming soon. So and then um Korean car chase movie? I know what this movie is. Yeah, so we <laughs> we both saw this one at Fantasia, and I was trying to think of another Fantasia movie to talk about, and I realized we hadn't talked about this one. So I was like, let's briefly throw this out there, because I had a lot of fun with it. It's called Special Delivery, and it ha- it stars uh, Park Sodom. I, so I don't know how to pronounce it. I'm really yeah. bad at pronouncing name. Park Saddam, um, as a special delivery driver. She was in Parasite. Um, She's a sister. And she is... Right. Isn't she Isn't she the one... It's been a while since I've seen Parasite that does the kind of Chicago... Yeah, she's Illinois, like... Yeah, she's the yeah. sister that pretends to be the art teacher. And she plays a special delivery person that takes on illegal things that need to be delivered quickly, like people or... Like uh, criminals running from um, other criminals and stuff like that. Like she does these really crazy kind of stunt driving things to escape from people and make sure that her product or person arrives safely. And she gets hired by 
um, a man who has a son who is trying to flee the mob because of uh, stealing um, a USB that has like information on like $35 million. And she gets hired for it. He doesn't show up, but his kid does. And she's off and running, being chased by a corrupt cop who is also part of the gang by like some kind of torturer and also by the, the regular special investigation cops. And it has like a vibe of, I would say like nineties and eighties, like car chase movies that were really big. Yeah. But it's also, I, I think, I think people have been saying that it's kind of like Korea's answer to drive. And I can kind of, I guess, see that, but like mm-hmm. for me, it kind of evokes the sort of the, the car chase subgenre that was so big for a while in America. And it has like a pulsing soundtrack and everything. It has some fantastic stunts uh, with the car it gets a little dark in spots, uh, but I had a really good time with so it. So did I. So I saw this, too. I, it was one of the first movies, actually, that I watched at Fantasia, and I was really surprised Same. with how incredible the um, the driving choreography is. It's, mm. like, it's so badass. It's so, it's tense. Precise. It's shot in, yeah, exactly. Like, the way that it's done is just so cool like it just it feels mm-hmm. like high paced i mean if you like fast and furious you know it's not mm-hmm. racing obviously but it's got that kind of high octane vibe but then park sodom's character is this like yeah this bad bitch but also she's got this cat that she loves and loves to take care of there's like oh, this really okay. kind of these interesting sides to her that i really enjoyed in this because she's not it's not just like a dude a brooding dude driving a car it's like a badass woman in this world full of gross men who is like chill and calm and collected but also has a side of like i love my pet and yeah and this is like I, i'm not just all business and serious and i like how they strike this they don't make her one note mm-hmm. which i feel like so many movies can do so easily with characters like that like the unlikable female protagonist well and then also they don't they don't make her um the mom like with the kid like they're yeah. like I, I was afraid they're gonna kind of lean into like oh my gosh she's a woman it's a kid she has to like protect him but they don't really lean into that yeah she does protect him but it's not like she doesn't find femininity or some like stereotypical idea of femininity through this kid no it's definitely not like oh she would like to be a mother mm-hmm. now like look at her like it's so much it's yeah and I'm, I'm very very happy about that <laughs> Yeah, it's a lot of fun, high octane, yeah. exciting. It's a lot of great fun. stunts. Yeah, it's like it doesn't. It's not like adding anything super new mm-hmm. to like the car chase action genre. Like it's pretty straightforward, but it's mm-hmm. fun. Like if you're looking for a fun action movie that actually has like a woman in the center who isn't one note, it's this is the one. And again, Park So Dumb, incredible. incredible. She's a badass. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's a it's a it is a good fun action movie that if you're looking for an action movie that isn't like super dumb but like isn't asking for a ton of your right. brain either, this is this is the the ticket for you. Well, okay, that has been that has been little cuts and what we've watched this week. But now that Fantasia's over, we're going back to horror comedies. Terry, what are we watching next week? Yeah, so uh, we're coming as Mary Beth said, we're coming back to horror comedies, and we are starting with. An absolute classic, in my opinion. Um, shape-shifting aliens and little balls of fur. We're watching Critters. Hell yeah. And you had never seen this before, right, Mary Beth? Correct. I have not. My brother got me the uh, box set of all four of them for Christmas, so I'm, <laughs> I have an excuse to break them out. I'm... He was like, I don't know what movies you don't have. <laughs> and I was like, 
That's fair. That's fair. So you got me critters, and it was a smart move. So yeah, I, I'm not. I have a story to share about critters, but I'm not going to. Ooh. I'm not going to share it until we get a guest on talking about critters because I'm still holding oh. out for that. <laughs> but I'm excited to uh, talk about this this comedy. And who are we talking with on Monday, Mary Beth? So on Monday, we are chatting with the direct with director and actor Brett Lada. You will see him in front and behind of the camera in his debut feature film, The Andrew Baker Tape, which is out now on Terror Film's YouTube channel. And then it's having a digital rollout starting next Friday. Uh, and he brought with him the intense classic 28 Weeks Later. Oof. Not days, weeks. weeks. And boy, oh boy, it's really too relevant of a movie for now. So that's It fun. sure is. Uh, I was surprised at how well this movie held up. And it was a good conversation. It was really, I mean, again, we always say it. But it was it was cool to talk about this now and like revisit a movie that you're like, eh, is it really necessary? And then now watching it, you're like, okay, I get it. This makes a lot of sense. I see what you're sense. doing. <laughs> yeah. Seriously. Um, but listeners, you've heard from us. We want to hear from you. Since we're back on horror comedies, is there something we should be watching? Do you have thoughts about any of the things that we watched this week? If you have had a chance to see them, you can send us an email at scarredforlifepodcast at gmail.com or you can reach out to us directly on Twitter. I am at MB McAndrews. And I'm a Gailey Dreadful. And of course, don't forget to follow the podcast on Twitter at Scarred Podcast. And please don't forget to review, rate, and subscribe. Thank you to everyone for listening. Please stay safe out there, but most importantly, stay creepy. And until next time. powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. What is The Briefing Room? It's a behind-the-scenes look at how the criminal justice system works and the lives of the people within that system. If you love true crime, well, these are the real people who do the job every day of making sure justice is served. Hi, I'm Detective Dave. I'm Detective Dan. Together, we have decades of experience in local law enforcement, a profession that we think is often misunderstood. So we're going to explore how to do it right, and we won't shy away from when it's done wrong. These are stories you'll hear nowhere else. Unique, frank, and unvarnished. From the team that brought you Small Town Dicks, this is The Briefing Room. Episode 1 drops on August 30th. We'll meet you in The Briefing Room. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com. <laughs>